Thank you for listening to a Christ-centered message from Grace Community Church. We are committed to proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology and trust that you will receive encouragement as we study today's passage together. We are in a new year, but our mission is the same. We want to glorify God and make disciples, and that's our aim here at Grace, that that's what we desire to do, to reach people for Jesus Christ, to see people equipped and growing in the the knowledge of God's word, to grow in faithfulness and obedience to the Lord, and to then to serve and to share God's word with others. That's our aim. And as we're in a new year, and uh, this is the first Sunday of a new year, how will God use us? How will God work in us and through us this year to advance the gospel, to continue on in the Great Commission? The title of the message this morning is Advancing the Gospel. We're in Philippians chapter 1. You can go there with me in your Bibles. We're just taking the next section. Uh, Pastor Brian finally found a text he was willing to share with me uh, to preach. Uh, and so I'm in, I'm in the series now. We're going together, Philippians. Uh, we're taking verses 12. I'll be working through this morning, verses 12 through 18. Uh, you can go there with me in, in your copy of the scriptures. If you have the app, we, we came up in the welcome video, the Version Bible app, that's what we will use to read through the Bible this year, and, and you can use that this morning. The letter to the Philippians reveals that Paul is confident both in the Lord and the gospel. This next section that we're in, verses 12 through 18, is functioning like a missionary update letter. Uh, this, this what he, he's updating for his missionary partners, the Philippians, the church at Philippi. While Paul called them partners in grace, partakers of, of grace, part, partners in the gospel. They're joined together, and Paul is wanting to fill them in and what he's been going through. The believers in Philippi would have likely known much of what Paul had gone through as an ambassador for the gospel. Some of what he's experienced, his hardships, the difficulties he had experienced. It's likely that Paul was writing this from Rome, this letter from Rome, where he was imprisoned. Remember that Paul had only gotten to Rome on an appeal to Caesar. He had been wrongfully accused, detained, he had been beaten. Appeals to, he, Paul appealed to Caesar, and on the way is uh, caught in a shipwreck eventually gets to Rome and remains under house arrest while he awaits trial. Likely the Philippians would have known some of this scenario that had been going on. So just follow along with me. Listen to how Paul describes and talks about his experience. Verse, uh, Philippians 1, follow along with me in verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. 
The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me as we begin to dive into this text together? Father in heaven, you are so good. Thank you, Lord, for the hope that we have in Christ, and thank you for the gospel. I pray that as we are gathered here under your word, preached and proclaimed and opened, Lord, you would open hearts. Open hearts to receive the gospel, open hearts to treasure the gospel, and let the the roots of the gospel, the work of Christ, the person of Christ, go deeper into our hearts this morning, that we would love you and enjoy you more. Lord, help me as your word is open to speak clearly, that you would be glorified. We give you highest praise. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are here in Philippians 1. In this section, Paul's filling in the church at Philippi, his suffering, his experience. The aim of this message is simple. Here's the proposition. Suffering is a powerful servant of the gospel. Suffering is a powerful servant of the gospel. I want the gospel to be advanced in my life, in our lives this morning, and as a church, we want to see the gospel advance, to take new ground this year in people's lives and among the nations, our missionary partners and future missionary partners. We don't even know yet, but we want the gospel to go to all peoples and all places. But what we know is that throughout life, because of sin, because of the fall, that whether we are serving on the mission field or here at home, we will all experience suffering at some point in our lives. And yet, God and his sovereignty, in Christ, suffering is a powerful servant for believers and is a powerful servant of the gospel. And that's what Paul is saying here. So we're just going to unpack this this morning. How does suffering help advance the gospel? It's a powerful servant. There's two ways. Here's number one. The first way that suffering serves to advance the gospel is through our personal witness. Our personal witness. If someone were to ask us the question, they would ask us, why do you have joy when you go through suffering? Why do you have hope when you experience great trial and great difficulty? What carries you through? Our answer would be Christ carries us through. So letter A, what does this look like? A a personal witness that advances the gospel. Letter A is a life marked by gospel focus. Gospel focus. Paul's life was driven by the gospel after his conversion. It is a significant characteristic for any true believer to have a life marked by the gospel. A life marked by the the life of Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection, and our hope is in him. Our our life, our attention, our joy, our desire is Christ-centered. See, Paul was set apart. He wanted the believers to know 
what has happened to me? This is my imprisonment. He, he says this imprisonment, this is what he's talking about, really served to advance the gospel. He's, he's gospel-minded, even in suffering. And the reason for this is Paul was set apart. He was set apart by the Lord to be a gospel messenger, to be a, an apostle, a preacher, to preach the gospel and make disciples. And throughout Paul's missionary work, he experienced great suffering, trials, setbacks. Yet he describes this time in prison as an opportunity, as a way to advance the gospel. See, we would be tempted to think that Paul, this, this missionary traveling all over Asia, bringing God's word, planting churches, bringing the gospel to where it had never been heard before, to people who had never heard of Jesus before, now is locked up uh, in house arrest in Rome. We would be tempted to think that the mission is halted. No more progress. But that's not what Paul says. Paul says that this imprisonment really has served to advance the gospel. And for believers, this suffering serves us. For the believer, trials serve us. Trials help us to make us more like Christ and to share the message of Christ. Suffering and difficulty have the purpose by God to fix our affections more on Christ, to separate us, to wean us off of the world, and to help us to desire Christ more. And that causes the world to take notice. This is how the gospel is advanced. People take notice when we suffer, but we do so with hope. This is where asking questions might come in, and we've got kids in the room today, and kids love to ask questions. I've been in kids' church. Kids ask good questions. So think about this. When we go through suffering, somebody might ask us, what is your hope? Why, why do you have joy? What are you holding on to when you go through suffering? And this would be an opportunity for us to witness. Well, there's nothing in me that I have to hold on to when I go through suffering. I don't have any strength on my own. But let me tell you about Jesus. I have a, a, a hope that Christ is the solid rock I stand on, not on myself. And that's what Paul would say when he goes through suffering. Uh, the question might say, why do you have hope? Why do you have joy? And the answer is Christ, Christ in me. Christ to his purpose for me. He's sovereign, he's gracious, even in the middle of difficulty. And most importantly of all, Christ will never be taken away. And so as we're thinking about asking questions, when we go through suffering, people may ask us questions, and this is an opportunity for the gospel to reach new peoples when we would never want that for ourselves, to go through suffering. And yet God in his grace allows us to go through suffering. It's for our good. It's for his glory. And it is an opportunity to advance the gospel. Paul stayed on mission no matter what his circumstances were. I want to have this level of gospel focus in my life. This is one way I want to grow this year, to see more of my life through the lens of gospel. And this is how Paul looked on his imprisonment. Not the chains, not the guards, not house arrest, but opportunity. John Flavel, uh, he, he wrote a book, uh, a little, a little sermon-type book. It's called Preparation for Suffering. And that's a book you wouldn't normally think to read. 
And yet he, he opens up and describes what a heart change needs to look like for one to be ready when suffering comes, to do so in a way that is God-glorifying. He, he, he makes this point. John Flavel says, No man can suffer for Christ until he's able to deny himself. And that's why Paul is able to go through this suffering and to be so Christ-centered about it. He's, he's denying himself. He's humble. He's, he's been totally humbled on the road to Damascus literally taken off his horse and blinded by the vision of Christ. He's humbled. He's denying himself. And so for you and I, as we go through suffering, we are humbled. But that opens our hand and our heart to cling to Christ more. And that's where we can suffer in a Christ-exalting, gospel-advancing way. Paul so treasured and enjoyed Christ that there was no room left for self. That's self-pity or pride. There was no room for self in, in Paul's life to distract from gospel. Now, when I go through difficulty, or let's be honest, inconvenience, my first thought very often is me. Why is this happening? That's so inconvenient. I can't believe it. <laughs> Not Paul, though, and Lord, help me. I want to be more gospel-focused when I go through suffering. God, what are you teaching me about myself? What are you teaching me about you? And how can I witness well, even through my, ad <clears throat> through my attitudes and actions before we even get to words, my, the way I respond, attitude, inside me, my own head and my own thinking when suffering comes, the gospel has a remedy for that. Paul treasured and, and enjoyed Christ, so when he goes through suffering, he sees it as, Advancing, the gospel taking new ground. So uh, Paul was confident in the Lord, confident in God's sovereignty, God's total reign and rule over everyone and everything. Paul was not imprisoned by happenstance or pure chance. Yes, there was some, some false accusing going on. There was human responsibility factors, but also God is sovereign, that he was under house arrest by God's sovereign will and decree. And therefore, he's placed to advance the gospel. Uh, this word here, when uh, this, Paul uses this word advance, uh, it means to drive forward, a going forward, progress, advancement, furtherance. And that's how Paul views suffering. And by God's grace, let us interpret suffering through the lens of gospel as a way to move the gospel forward into our lives and other people's lives. Suffering turns all genuine believers into preachers. What message is announced by our lives when we go through difficulty? What message are we sharing when we go through suffering? Do we tend to look through the lens of self or the lens of gospel? Understand this, that when we go through suffering... God is sovereignly working by his grace. He's working in us, and he's working through us. And others are watching. They're going to see how we respond as believers. Paul saw his chains as a way for the gospel to take new ground, to reach new peoples. The way that this would work is the chains, he, Paul would be shackled, and he'd have a, about 18 inches of chain length, and he would be chained to another guard. And so literally, you want to talk about captive audience, that's what Paul had, and he would be under house arrest. He's chained to a Roman guard, 
and they would go through these cycles. And so when Paul says, not only has this uh, served to advance the gospel, um, he, he's, seeing, he's literally exposed to other peoples. In his house, people are going to come and visit him, and the guards are chained to him. Literally, he's somebody got right there. He always can talk to you about the gospel. And same for you and I. Others are looking in, our, in, our, in on our lives when we go through suffering, whether we realize it or not. Paul, he, he didn't complain when he went through suffering, and he brings it up in chapter 2. We're not there yet. But he talks about complaining, and he doesn't do that. He instead looks for every way to mention Christ, the gospel, and it starts with his own attitude first. Letter B, not only uh, does our personal witness include a life marked by gospel focus, but it is a life marked by Christ-likeness. That's righteousness. Life marked by Christ-likeness. In the rest of this section, Paul is going to work through how exactly did the gospel take new ground through his imprisonment. In verse 13, he says that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. When Paul suffered, he didn't complain, but he shared openly who he was, why he was arrested, and most importantly, whom he served. Who's his Lord? He served Christ. Now those who knew Paul and his circumstances, they knew he wasn't a criminal, he wasn't a wrongdoer, but he was imprisoned because he boldly shared the gospel <clears throat> and was opposed by the Jews. <clears throat> Here's one, one account of this in Acts chapter 28. You can turn there with me if you'd like. Acts chapter 28, verse 17, just to see, just to see how Paul described his, uh, his imprisonment. Acts 28, verse 17 after three days, uh, he, Paul, called and gathered the local leaders of the Jews. And when they gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty, because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and to speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I'm wearing this chain. What Paul is saying is, he's here, he's arrested, not because he was a criminal, not because he had sinned against God or his uh, fellow uh, brethren, but because of the hope that he has in Christ, that's the hope of Israel, he's wearing his chains. And Peter, he makes this, this, this teaching in 1 Peter 4, he makes it in his letter that fits this same exact point. 1 Peter 4, verse 12, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. We all will go through suffering. Verse 13, 1 Peter 4, But rejoice! Insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or a thief, or an evildoer, or as a meddler. 
Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel? If the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, Peter summarizes, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Back in Philippians 1, this is what Paul is doing. He is entrusting his soul to God, his faithful creator, and doing good while he's in house arrest. And that's another one of the reasons why it is known, not through, just through people talking about Paul, talking about why he had been imprisoned, but he is, through his own testimony, making it perfectly crystal clear he is in prison because of his hope in the gospel, because of Christ. So while he's in prison, he's going to make the most of it. Make the most of his time there. He's going to serve, serve Christ, serve others, not complain. When we experience suffering or trials, we can display Christ in us. How we respond to difficulty and trials can invite others to look in and ask us where they can have this kind of hope and this kind of joy. This is uh, just another example of Romans 8.28. And uh, I can't get away from Romans 8.28, and neither can, neither can any of us. Romans 8.28, God is working all things for our good and his glory, even imprisonment. Because of Paul's imprisonment, there are many more people who are exposed to the gospel the message of Christ, than they would be if he remained free. Uh, at the end of uh, Acts 28, you can read that maybe today. Uh, take the kids, read Acts 26 or Acts 28, and you would see Paul, how did he carry out his time in prison, imprisonment and, and house arrest. People would come to his house and talk with him day after day about the gospel. Multiplied his influence, though he was chained to a guard and stuck at home. So we see first our personal witness. Suffering uses our personal witness to advance the gospel. And secondly, our, our second point, suffering serves the gospel through, number two, the proclaimed word. The, pro, the words that we share, the proclaimed word. So if the first way that the gospel can be advanced is through people asking us questions, the second way is through us asking questions to other people. Do you know how you can have joy? Do you know Jesus Christ? The words that we share. So we, when we suffer, our attitude is on display, our character is on display, and then also our, our words. We have an opportunity to speak. And that's what is in, that remains in this section. Verse 14, Philippians 1, Most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So letter A, that's where we get this letter A, we rely on the Lord. Our confidence is in the sovereignty of God, the sufficiency of his word. That's where we have our confidence, God-centered. That's why we can share his word. And Isaiah says this, the Lord speaking, Isaiah 55, 11, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return empty, it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. 
Anytime we open God's word, we read God's word, we share God's word, God is working. And yes, we have to have the right context and we have to be wise about it, but understand God will accomplish all his plan and purpose, and he does so through his word, through his spirit and through his word. And so when we go and we share the gospel, the confidence is not in ourselves, but in God and his word. We have to speak. Paul says that many believers became confident in the Lord through his imprisonment. Instead of hiding or denying Christ, Peter did that, they grew in boldness. This word, this word confident, it means to confide in, to rely upon, to trust or have confidence in. So here's how suffering works this in us. Suffering causes us to put our faith in God and not in ourselves. And this is essential for effective gospel ministry. If we're going to do anything well as a church, as a, as a witness, when we share the gospel, it is no hope in ourselves, no strength in ourselves, but instead I have to rely on Jesus to open the word, to share the word, to have a conversation, to not complain. And, and so this is not just for time in prison. This is whatever circumstance we're in, whatever Whatever we find ourselves in, a good opportunity or difficulty, a job, a trial, a sickness, financial, whatever we are facing, we have an opportunity to be gospel-centered. Think, I interpret my suffering through the gospel, and then I get to put that on display. And that's through our words. We have to speak. This is essential for us to, to realize that Anytime we go through difficulty, my confidence in myself goes down, but my confidence in the Lord increases. God never fails. And by Paul's arrest, many other believers became bold, trusting the Lord and sharing his word. Even from prison, Paul knew that the Lord is in control and working out his sovereign plan, and this is true for you and me. So when we find ourselves in a difficulty, a suffering or a trial, Let's remind ourselves and preach the gospel to ourselves. God is in control. He's sovereign and has me here purposefully. How can I share the gospel? How can I preach the gospel? How can I witness well of Christ in me? This encouraged other believers who loved Paul and loved the gospel. They were talking about him, and they were doing so without fear. One example of this kind of dependence from the Lord uh, comes from 2 Corinthians 1, verse 8 and 9. Paul, writing a different letter, says, We do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. All right, suffering. Why go through? What is God's plan and purpose as they go through this suffering? Paul continues, For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. This is suffering at the highest degree. But it was, Paul, what's the purpose? But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And so, as we go through suffering, and as we desire to witness and proclaim God's word, we do so reliant on the Lord. We have to. We need to. There's no other way for us to move forward, for the gospel to move forward. 
One way that God may have used Paul's imprisonment to give believers boldness is through Paul's own example. We've seen his, his attitude, his character, but just think about this. Paul had already been a prisoner at one time. He, he had been in prison several times throughout his life and ministry. But before he became Paul the Apostle, he was Saul, Saul of Tarsus, and he was a sinner. Paul had to be first set free from his sin. And so, just, can, just to compare for a moment, to be a slave and prisoner of sin is eternally worse than being a, a prisoner in a human prison. Uh, chains made by human hands. And so for Paul to be confident in this lesser imprisonment would encourage other believers to be bold and to share the word. Paul's going to share the word, the word while in prison. I can share the word. And that's what Paul would do. And, and he would just simply bring the gospel again and again. Do you know who Jesus is? Jesus is the, the Savior, the Messiah, sent to Israel so that he might save his people from their sins born, lived a sinless life, and yet was crucified on a cross, wrongfully accused, but sent by God to bear our sins, and was crucified and put to death, and on the third day, he rose from the grave. Do you know this Jesus? Would you trust in him today? And Paul would have these conversations, and believers hearing this would have these conversations. Do you know Paul? Do you know Jesus? Do you know Paul's in prison because of this message. Can I tell you about this message? And this is simply in way of conversation. We can proclaim the Lord, the, the word, God's word. When we face suffering, we witness through our actions and our attitudes, but we must also use our words. So as God gives us opportunity to speak to our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, our family, let's trust the Lord and open our Bibles. And can I share with you a scripture? And simply having that, a small conversation like that, by God's grace, has gospel impact and the gospel moves forward. The gospel is good news. And when we have news, what do we want to do when we have good news? We share it. We tell it. And that's what Paul did, and that's what we're going to do. The gospel is good news, and news must be shared with words. When we share God's word, we share how we have unbreakable joy in Christ and how you can have unbreakable joy in Christ. Trust in him today. Amen. Here's one example from, from church history. Um, I, I love reading about different missionaries uh, and different stories, and there's some books for kids out there. It's Christian Heroes Then and Now. Get them. Read them. Read them all. There's like hundreds. I haven't read them all yet, though. Uh, here's one example. Adoniram Judson... He's a missionary from America in the 1800s. He went to Burma, that's present-day Myanmar. And he went and he uh, crossed and became a missionary there to Burma, and he experienced great suffering. He, he went with his wife, and they had several kids and, and lost several kids while there in Burma. He worked on a translation, translating the whole Bible into the Burmese language, and the, his translation work was stolen away at a time, and he thought he lost it for a, for a season. And that's because at one point there was a war between Britain and, and Burma and India. All these different countries got in the mix, and the Burmese government sees Adoniram Judson and some missionary partners there 
uh, this team they had and thought they were spies for Britain. And so they arrested Adoniram Judson and they throw him in jail and he suffered greatly. There was mosquitoes, that alone suffering. Um, and he was hung upside down on a bamboo pole and just all this, this horrific suffering that he experienced uh, by, while he was in, uh, on the mission field. Listen to what Adoniram Judson said while he was in prison. His wife recorded that she was able to visit him with their newborn baby. Here's what Judson said. It is possible for my life to be spared. And if so, with what ardor, with what fervency shall I pursue my work? He's talking about Bible translation. Get the gospel into a language that the Burmese people can hear it and understand it for themselves. Who's Jesus? If not, he continues, his will be done. The door will be open for others who will do the work better. And think about what, how the, these other believers are encouraged by Paul in prison. And that's the Lord is open for others to do the work better. And so uh, this one example, Adoniram Judson, same principle here. Paul's in prison. Who's going to take the gospel now? I'll go. I'll talk right where I'm at, and I'll go to the nations. That's how the gospel gets advanced. So that's, we, we rely on the Lord. That's letter A. Letter B, how do we do this? We are to share God's word as clearly as we are able. We are to share God's word as clearly as we are able. And that's in the good and the bad. Uh, verse 15 through 18, Paul is contrasting two groups of people and their motives for sharing God's word. He says, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. So Paul's contrasting two groups of people. They have different, very different motives for talking about Jesus. There's one group of people, they hate Paul. And they are against Christ and the gospel. Others love Paul, his message, and his God. So those who were against Paul, uh, were, they are identified by their wrong motives. Envy, rivalry, selfish ambition, desire to af afflict him. Others have a proper motive, goodwill, love, support for Paul as a defender of the gospel. Understand this. There will always be some who are opposed to Christ and his word and his people. When we're on mission, we will face opposition. But regardless of what we face, let's share God's word clearly and quickly as God gives us opportunity. There are opportunities all around us. We trust God to give us the grace as we speak. But what Paul doesn't do here, he doesn't compare himself to these groups of people. You see, I, I think some of the reason why these, these brothers who have envy and they have rivalry, it's not that they're preaching a different gospel, but their motive is wrong. And they're thinking, well, Paul is locked up. I can be the next, the next big preacher. I can be the next. I'll go take. And instead of thinking Christ, instead of being gospel, they're back to self. And that's what he says there. They, are, they had to do so out of envy 
It says, verse, there's some who do it out of love, and there's others who do it wrongfully, selfish ambition. For you and I, when we go through suffering or when we face good seasons, we can also be tempted to compare ourselves to others. And the cost, that, so here's the caution, let's fix our eyes on Jesus and not compare ourselves to, well, why is this good thing happening to them? Don't, but I follow the Lord and yet I'm suffering and here's this other individual. We can go down the line. That doesn't help us at all. Instead, we have to fix our eyes on Jesus and we share his word. We don't need to compare ourselves to others. This is what Paul says to Timothy. 1 Timothy 5, 24, the, some sin, the sins of some people are conspicuous, clearly evident, going before them to judgment. But the sins of others appear later. So also good works are conspicuous, and even those that are not cannot remain hidden. What's Paul's point to Timothy? Some men's sins are clear. That's okay. Some are not. We don't know their hearts or their motives. Some motives are good, and we praise God for that. Others we'll never see, never know till heaven. You're, what's the point to Timothy? Serve where you're at. Serve faithfully. Serve your family. Serve the church. Be faithful in little things. Trust God with the outcome. And that's what Paul is doing here in these, different, these two different groups. That's what he says in verse 18. What then? Well, in every way Christ is preached, whether in pretense or in truth. So Paul, instead of focusing on these two different groups, he focuses on Christ. Christ is proclaimed. He says something else very similar to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, 4 verse 5. As for you, Timothy, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. In a word, proclaim Christ, and don't worry about other people. That's what Paul has to, he has to do this year in prison. So today, our aim is to proclaim Christ as best we can and trust God with the outcome. And that's as we go from this place this week into countless homes, families, workplaces, whatever situation or scenario, proclaim Christ as best we can and trust God with the fruit. Paul spent little attention on those who would be his enemies He's more concerned with Christ. Now, he says it two times in verse 18. I, in, so long as Christ is proclaimed, I rejoice. In that I rejoice. So let us take joy in proclaiming Christ and hearing Christ proclaimed. So how do we apply this? Well, number one, do we know someone, or perhaps you are this morning experiencing great suffering? Do you know someone that's going through suffering? Understand that as a church, we are here for you. We love you. And you have small groups that love you. When we go through suffering, don't go through suffering alone. But instead, we fix our eyes on Christ and we have to do so together. Paul's in prison, but there's other, there's other brothers. There's other, those who are preaching. We, we have to preach the gospel to ourselves and to one another. And then how might God use you to bring the gospel into that circumstance of suffering? Whether that's your own heart, that you preach the gospel again to our, ourselves this morning, we preach the gospel to ourselves, or into that scenario. What might your next step be this week to share God's word boldly? Can I encourage you? We made these cards not too long ago. 
that share a little bit about who we are, but most importantly, there's this, this little square on the back. You use your phone and you scan it, and it takes you right to our webpage that has a link all about the gospel that walks through who is God. God is the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything. He's holy, he's righteous, he made you and he made me. He's our creator and we are responsible, we're accountable to him. Who are we? God made us male and female in his image. We have intrinsic value and worth, everyone. And yet, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We've missed God's mark of perfection. His law shows us that. So we are in need of a savior. We need to be saved from our sin. Who is Jesus? Jesus is sent by God. He's God in flesh. We just celebrated that at Christmas time. Come to save us from our sins. And he had to die. Jesus had to die on the cross for our sins. And he did so for all who would turn from their sin and trust in him. How will you respond to the gospel? In repentance and faith. And I invite you to that. And this is what we preach to ourselves. Sin and death, Christ defeated on the cross. When we go through suffering, we know Christ is victorious. So instead of focusing only on the suffering, now I have a means I can share. And this little card right here, you can give it to somebody. It takes you right to the gospel. Easily, you can share God's word. Maybe you start here. But understand this. Peter says in 1 Peter 3, we go through suffering, Christ also suffered. He suffered once for sins. The just, he's perfect. For the unjust, that's you and me. Why did he suffer? That he might bring us to God. And that is the message, that's the word we proclaim. Christ suffered that he might bring us to God. Can you share that message? Has this message taken root in your heart this morning? If so, today is the day. Trust in Christ. Don't leave without trusting in Christ. Or come talk to us. I'll be up here. Pastor Brian's right up here. Find Russ. Talk to somebody. Don't leave without talking about the gospel. So suffering, just to, just to summarize, just to close, suffering is a powerful servant of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it, it serves the gospel in two ways. Through our personal witness and through the proclaiming of God's word. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for the gospel. Thank you, Lord, that you have chosen to reveal your glory in the person and work of Jesus Christ. I pray that everyone here this morning, joining online, as this message goes out and is recorded and shared, that we would all fix our hope in Christ this morning. Lord, I pray you would fill us with hope and confidence in the gospel again today so that when suffering comes or as we go through suffering, we do so in a way that moves the gospel forward, forward in our lives and forward in the lives of those around us. Lord, thank you so much for Christ and the hope that we have in him. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to Teaching from the Word at Grace Community Church. We are located in Richmond, Michigan. You can find us online at mygracechurch.com. 
please subscribe and follow us at My Grace Church. It would be greatly appreciated if you would take a moment to rate, like, and share this message. We want you to always remember that you are loved.